0: The question asked and answered, can a true believer ever be lost? Let's talk about that today on Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. Our series has been called, Life in the Spirit. We've been spending a lot of time here in Romans chapter eight. As we come to the end of our series here today and tomorrow, we do so looking at the question, can a true believer ever be lost? It's a question that has plagued the church for centuries. And there are other questions that come up in light of this question. And those questions will help us answer the main one, can a true believer ever be lost? So join us for today's broadcast of Truth For Today from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Here's Pastor Phil Howard. Turn to Romans 8
1: and I want to read the passage we read last week and do the second part of a series that needs to be 14 parts. Pastor Rollins often uh, kids me say, well, I enjoyed the series this morning. Uh, meaning, uh, could you maybe have said a little less and taken a little bit more time? And so it's good to have him back because he'll bug me as soon as this is over. And glad to have you both back, uh, Ted. And uh, I, I, I can't understand how pastors can take vacations like this. Let us read uh, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, and I think the all is qualified by the people that love God here in the context, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns Christ Jesus who died? More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, and Satan is a fallen angel, by the way. He's included. Neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now this is Paul's assurance. This is the word of the Lord. This is pre-Calvin, 1500 years. People often ask me, am I a Calvinist? First, I'm a Christian. Second of all, I'm a Biblicist. And if John Calvin saw it, so be it. But I'm not trying to be in any camp. I left a denomination to get out of camps. I want to just be a Bible believer. Whatever the Bible says, you will believe, won't you? The Bible will decide it for you. Not different camps, and sometimes we throw around labels because uh, that makes us feel comfortable. It doesn't, labels, thank God for men through history that have discovered and brought to the church great truths. Even as a Luther uh, in 1500, he didn't invent the truth. He just brought it out from underneath the rubbish of ceremonialism and church tradition and brought it right to the forefront that the foundation of all of Christianity is how is a man justified before God. And it's not through priests. It's not through cathedrals. It's not through penance. It's not through indulgences. It's not through works. It's by faith a man is justified before God. He didn't invent it, but he rediscovered it. And there's some truths we need to rediscover that maybe we never knew. Now, let us consider what he's saying here. First of all, he made five affirmations that all believers, those who love the Lord, were foreknown by God from before time. He entered into an experiential knowledge as to make them his own. And at that same time, he predestined, and he says he predestined them to be like Christ. Don't insert he predestined them to heaven or hell. He predestined his own to be conformed to the Lord Jesus Christ. A beautiful thing that God has orchestrated those things that will get you to be more like his son. Instead of being upset, that's comforting to me, that God has orchestrated your life. And then in a the point in time, God effectually called you to himself. You didn't just hear the sermon with everybody else in the place, but you heard the voice of the shepherd call you, come, you're mine. It was like Paul on the Damascus road. All the other soldiers heard noise. They heard sounds, but they never got the message. It was Paul that he was talking to. I heard him on the Damascus road. The others it was just so much a cloud, a light, and some noise. For me, it was the voice of God. And then he justified me at the same time that he called me. And then I'm going to be glorified in this great assurance. He writes it in the past tense. It's already done from a divine viewpoint. My body just has to catch up. Then he asked five questions as we looked at last week. If God's for us, Who can be against us? And the idea is, if God's for you, he can handle all that would be against you, right? Two, if he didn't spare his son to save you, surely he'll give you all things in the future, everything else you need. Ask the question, who can bring a charge against you? The cross was about taking your charges. The cross God put all the charges against his people on Christ, their sin-bearer. So charge us saints all you want. And many of them are true. God's people have made all kinds of blunders. We're flawed, sinner, needing to be saved kind of people. But what did God do with our sin? He charged them to our sin-bearer. So he said... I've taken care of the charges and I can declare you righteous because I'm giving you the gift of my son's righteousness. Fourthly, who is he that condemns? It will not be Christ who died. It will not be the Christ who mediates for you. It will not be the Christ who advocates for you. It will not be the Christ who intercedes for you. No, it won't come from him and no one can overcome his ministry. Then he asks. Who can separate us from the love of God? Well, I said last week, and I did not cover it, we just, I'm giving you the notes because I can't cover all of it, and there's some terrible uh, grammar in this one because I didn't edit, I just sent it in, published it, there's some bad sentences, and my English major wife's already gone through it, so just be glad you get anything, okay? But we're not going to print on it, it's bad. There's some bad places already there that, I think Chuck Swindoll wrote. And uh, so, uh, that I said just by way of review last week that there's five things that we know that God the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are doing for us in salvation. The Father's uh, purpose is what he said here. He foreknew you, he predestined, called, justified, glorified you, You're all the way back there. In Ephesians 1, he chose you before the foundation of the world. Uh, We've got these great... God's got a purpose for his people. And can anyone be lost that's in that purpose for which he saved you? Two, God's given divine promises to you who are being kept by the power of God. 1 Peter 1.5. Now unto him that's able to keep you from falling. Jude 24. No one is able to snatch you out of my hand. Uh, On and on, these great promises. And then we talk about the power of God. He is able to complete what he has begun in you. You will never catch him off guard. He's anticipated everything you'll ever do. He already knows what you'll do, and he's made this promise. I'll complete it if I begin it. And if God started the work, And he said in Romans 14, my child will stand, my servant will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. You're only able to stand because of his power, right? His power. Then God the Son, two things. God the Son will keep you because he paid for you, he bought you, and he has paid for every bad thing, every sin that would keep you out of heaven or would separate you from God. He paid for it. And you have to wrestle with the cross. Did the cross accomplish anything? Did it accomplish anything for those he purchased out of the marketplace? Well, he said, I paid for you, I bought you, You're my people, you're my purchased possession, and I've dealt with every penalty. And then we did not have time to go into it, but the prayers of the Son of God. John 17, he prays, Father, keep them in the world, protect them from the evil one. He's advocating now before God, every time you sin in the midst of it, he advocates. He's the mediator between God and men. There's only one, Christ the mediator. Hebrews is writing to the Jewish people saying, Aaronic priesthood passed away. All that priesthood was doomed to die. And all the men who served in it were weak just like the people. But we have a priest who can never die. The high priest of God who intercedes for God's people to the point of completing them. Powerful, powerful truths. And then what we did not have time to look at, and I just do it by review, is the present ministry of the spirit in the believer. And I think the one we ought to just underscore, then we'll look at today's lesson, is uh, he is the earnest, he is the down payment in the believer that God will complete what he's begun. He said, when you believed Ephesians 1.13, 2 Corinthians 1.22, that you received the Spirit as the Erebon, the down payment that guarantees that the rest will be forthcoming. And God the Spirit is in you as God's guarantee that he hasn't forgot us. And he's also sealed you. And a seal represented Protection. When you come under the seal of the United States government, when you put a stamp on that letter, you're buying protection. And you're buying all of the power of the United States of America behind your little letter. Because their seal says, we guarantee protection. I want you to notice when you read Ephesians, he did not say, this is the picture I used to have. I used to think God saved me and he did this. Stamped. He didn't say he stamped me. He said he gave me the Holy Spirit and he's the seal. Spirit didn't just boom. He does that to the 144,000. He seals them in their forehead, knows that they're his. But for you and I, the Spirit Himself is the seal. My mother used to do a lot of home canning. Seven of us, you figure out a way to have a home garden and you can't every summer so as kids would all eat through the winter. And I remember when she'd do that wax. You remember the old curd jars and the wax at the top making the jams and all that? The seal says two things. What's in can't get out and what's outside can't get in, meaning ants. That little wax seal on the top, And God has said, when I put you in the body of Christ, I gave not only the grip of omnipotence, the Father's hand and the Son's hand, I've also stationed the Spirit of God as the seal on my elect people that they will never be dismembered from my body. I'm just quoting Bible to you. If you want the verses, read them. Argue with God. Now let's look at two things today about can a true believer be lost? Because we got a lot of folks that are saying they're saved. That I have total doubt. The longer I'm a Christian, the more I doubt a lot of people's salvation. Isn't it? You think as strong as you believe and taught this other stuff, you think people are really saved. And I'll tell you why. It's these two things I'm going to look at today. The nature of saving faith and the nature of the new birth. Those two things, and let's look at them, okay? Uh, You can just look at the notes, just do a quick Evelyn Wood speed reading. Just see it? Now listen to me. Um, Let me read from the notes and just underscore. Uh, The faith that receives Jesus Christ is not a strong will, your will, Scripture says the faith by which you were even saved was a gift from God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace have you been saved through faith, not of works, as to anyone should boast. Not only the, in the salvation package there was the gift to receive the package. For we're not saved by faith in the sense that it's the ground of our salvation. It's only the instrument for receiving it. Faith does not save in itself. It's the object that you receive. Christ saved, Christ alone. Your faith is just the only instrument that receives it and believe it or not, God had to give you the gift to even receive it Because of the obstinacy of our own heart and of our inability to believe God. And when he worked in your heart, he gave you the gift of faith. Look at Philippians 1.29. See, I used to teach all this stuff on uh, Tuesday nights when I first started the church. And we would argue and teach theology until 10 o'clock. Yeah, I just long for that, but you can't stay up that late. But... All those young believers, this is what we, we just study this stuff all the time. Look at verse 29. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Notice it's been granted. You've been able by God to believe on him. Uh, Here's one that would be a favorite life's verse for some of you. I'm not... I think of Lydia in Acts 16, God opened her heart and she believed, but here's a strong one in Acts 13:48. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord. Are you there? I want your eyeball right on this verse. Okay, and all who were appointed for eternal life, they did what? What enabled them to believe? God had to give them the gift of faith eventually. God was going to save them eventually, but in time, you have to believe. And he says, I want to give you the ability to believe the God that cannot lie and not be an unbeliever. Most of the race chooses not to believe God. Is that not true? Absolutely. Most of the race choose not to believe God. But God says, I'll enable you to believe. Now, when we talk about saving faith, uh, theologians uh, have three parts of saving faith. And they use Latin words to describe it. And it was, uh, they went to the word assent, knowledge. They just called it nosa, assentia, and then fiducia. But it really comes out, saving faith is comprised of knowledge. You have to know something you got to know about God, the Savior, so they won't be saved without knowledge. And then when you hear that, the second step is assent. I I say, I believe that's true. I believe that's true. Now, that scares me because uh, I've never had a time in my life when I didn't believe Jesus Christ was the Son of God, that he died, that he rose again, that he was coming again. I've never not believed that from the time I could remember, from the time I could know. But I wasn't saved. I had the facts. I assented that they were true. I didn't think my folks and the people I was growing up with were lying to me. So I assented to the facts. But I had not committed myself and trusted the person of Jesus Christ for myself. And many people grow up in nominal Christianity They've been catechized, they've been baptized, and they know all the language, and, and they're not really atheists, and they're not really against, but there has never been that connection when they personally took Christ and moved beyond knowledge and assent to, I have received Christ personally as my own Savior. And you hear it a lot of times this way. You'll ask people, uh, how long have you been a Christian? I get this all the time. All my life. Do you ever hear that? Well, I've always been a Christian. You have. There's no such person. No one has always been a Christian. You're thinking it through. That's all right. No one's always been a Christian. There is a moment you come into the family, right? you got to be born again. You might be a Jewish rabbi, Nicodemus, but you're not in the family. Just having the right religion of the day, and he did, but he wasn't in God's family. Because saving faith, if we took time to look at it in Hebrews 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now he's describing the faith of God's people. And when he goes through there, he describes this faith believes in God. He who comes to God must believe that he is. So it does that. It believes God can reward you for believing. And if you go through there, you see this faith obeys, it suffers, uh, they're chased, they're killed, they're persecuted. Uh, Abraham obeys God by taking Abraham up to Mount Moriah. On and on, uh, faith is not passive, faith is active. It builds an ark, Uh, it offers a sacrifice as Abel. And as you read through all of Hebrews 11, you see this faith is active. It does things. It doesn't just, oh, yeah, I believe, that's it. No, no. It's my. It, It just delivers people from the mouths of lions. It suffers the loss of property and just continues believing God. This faith is an active, not impotent faith. I'll give you a good example of saving faith. A lot of people do this today I want to emphasize there's a persevering part of saving faith. Not just, I got saved and that's it. I got mine. And a good example is uh, Abraham's life himself. That uh, sometimes I think we have made it so easy to be saved that we just tell people, raise your hand, you're saved. And if you never come back to church, if you never live it, you got your eternal security. doesn't matter. No, 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 no. Saving faith doesn't operate that way.
0: And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Our series, taken from the book of Romans, here in chapter 8, called Life in the Spirit. As we close out our program, we would remind you that copies of the program are available when you mention the date of the broadcast you're interested in. You can also, for a gift of $15 or more, take advantage of the series today's message was taken from. Ask for it by name, Life in the Spirit. And again, for a gift of $15 or more, we'll send it your way. One other option is to obtain the entire eight-set series out of Romans for a gift of $100 or more. Now, bear in mind, this is 47 sermons altogether. It's the entire book of Romans, start to finish. And again, for a gift of $100 or more, we'll send it your way. And please remember that as you do gift these amounts, it goes back to the radio program. It helps us continue the ministry here on this radio station. In fact, we would love to hear from you if you have a prayerful interest in becoming a TFT sustainer, which will also include a quarterly newsletter. Take a break with Pastor Phil, which is our weekly devotional video and a once a year special gift. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. We just look for regular faithful givers that we might continue the ministry of the gospel here with Truth For Today on this radio station. Would you prayerfully consider that as you contact us? Here's how to reach us, 855-833-9864. That's our phone number. Again, toll free, 855-833-9864. If you'd rather write to us, the address is 1511 M Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. Also, stop by our website, valleybible.org. You'll learn a lot about us, who we are, and what we believe. In fact, if you'd like to join us for worship, you're in the Bay Area. Plan on visiting. Service times are at 9 and 11. Directions and more information again at valleybible.org. You can also find us on Facebook. All you need to do is get to the Google search in Facebook and look for Truth For Today Radio. And there we are. Please like the page and keep up to date with all that's happening here at Truth For Today. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.